This is Thursday, June 10th. I'm Robert Walker, and welcome to the Honest Report podcast. Of all the lies and defamatory statements made about Israel, this one is probably the most common, as it captures so much of the misinformation and puts it into one neat and tidy claim, that Israel is an apartheid state. Apartheid is a term coined in South Africa, which referred to how the country's white government created two sets of rules, one for the white South Africans and one for the black South Africans, with whites at the top of the social and economic rung and blacks way at the bottom. Anyone who has ever been to Israel and certainly spent any amount of time there would recognize that the claim of apartheid is pure fiction. But unfortunately, that hasn't stopped it from gaining traction. Once a claim relegated to the fringes, the argument that Israel practices apartheid has now become more mainstream than ever before. Earlier this year, the notoriously anti-Israel human rights watchdog, Human Rights Watch, produced a widely shared report which claimed that Israeli authorities are committing the crimes against humanity of apartheid and persecution. That's a direct quote. We could spend endless hours debunking the apartheid lie about how Israel's Arab minority now numbers more than 2 million people who have full and equal rights to that of Jews, or about how they serve in ever-increasing numbers in business, the media, diplomacy, the judiciary, and more. But in recent weeks, the claim that Israel is an apartheid state has probably never been more absurd, and it's proof we don't need to look any further than the next government which will govern Israel. It now appears virtually certain that Benjamin Netanyahu will no longer be Israel's prime minister, at least for now. Due to Israel's notoriously unwieldy form of government, which is based on proportional system of seats in the 120-member Knesset, it is nearly impossible for one party to achieve a simple majority of 60 or more seats, and therefore coalitions between varying parties and factions are the way governments are secured there. Whoever can cobble together a majority faction will form the government as a result. Israel's governments are often described in the news media as being right-wing or hawkish and largely uniform in its positions, particularly as it relates to the Palestinians. But if one takes a look at the next government, the reality quickly becomes apparent. Firstly, there will not be one prime minister, but two. For the first two years, Israel will be led by Naftali Bennett, a modern Orthodox immigrant from the United States, who leads a right-of-center party called Yamina. And for the next two years, Israel's Prime Minister will be Yair Lapid, leader of the centrist Yeshatid party, who is a staunchly secular former television news presenter and commentator. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There are a total of eight political parties as part of the new governing coalition, making up a total of 62 out of the 120 members of the Knesset. And the sheer diversity of viewpoints, perspectives, and backgrounds is noteworthy. Here's just a bit of an understanding of the, of the other parties. Blue and White, a centrist party led by Benny Gantz, a former chief of staff in the Israel Defense Forces from 2001 to 2015. Some of his party's platform includes an amendment to the country's nation-state law, which would include minorities such as the Druze and Arabs, as well as kickstarting peace negotiations with the Palestinian Authority. Israel Beitenu, a right-of-center secularist party led by the Soviet immigrant and former nightclub bouncer Avigdor Lieberman. 
While sometimes described as a hard right winger in news media outlets, one of Lieberman's political platforms includes a comprehensive peace agreement with the Palestinian Authority based on mutually agreed to land and population swaps. The Labour Party, a left of center social democratic party led by Merev Mikhaeli. Mikhaeli is a 54 year old former journalist and also has a former career as a campaigner for feminist issues in Israel, and she's a vocal advocate for addressing the gender pay gap and other related social issues. The Labour Party itself promises strong welfare programs, as well as pursuing a peace agreement with the Palestinians. Another party, New Hope, is a center-right party led by Gideon Sa'ar, an eighth-generation Israeli. New Hope includes in its platform many proposals to limit the reach of Israel's central government including introducing term limits for prime ministers, electing Knesset members through mixed member proportional, and an increase in power for local government in Israel. But it also backs strong social programs and safety nets for the most vulnerable of Israelis. Meretz is a left-wing social democratic party led by Nitzan Horowitz. Horowitz is an openly gay politician who is a former journalist and board member for the Association of Civil Rights in Israel. The Meretz political party is a member of other left-wing associations around the world, including the Progressive Alliance and Socialist International. Meretz's platform includes a full peace agreement between Israel and the Palestinian Authority, halting the construction of all Jewish communities, commonly called settlements, in Judea and Samaria, again, commonly called the West Bank, and other social justice issues. And last, but certainly no less noteworthy than the others, is the United Arab List, known by its acronym Ra'am. It is an Arab Islamist party led by Mansour Abbas. Abbas is a 47-year-old Israeli Arab politician who is also the deputy chairman of the southern branch of the Islamic movement. His party supports the two-state solution with the creation of an Arab-Palestinian state in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, with eastern Jerusalem serving as its capital city. And that's just the party leaders as part of this new governing coalition. Within the parties themselves, there is a dizzying array of diversity. Within the new proposed cabinet, there will be eight women ministers, the most ever. One of the female ministers is an Ethiopian Israeli. A third of the 62 coalition members are Mizrahi, or Jews with Middle Eastern origins. And eight of the 62 coalition members are Arab, with the fourth ever Arab cabinet minister joining as well. These are the faces of Israel's new governing coalition, a true face and reflection of Israeli society, young and old, secular and religious, Jewish and Muslim, left-wing and right-wing, conservative and liberal. But when it comes to misinformation against Israel, unfortunately, this truth is rarely relevant. As Avi Ben Lola wrote recently in the National Post newspaper, referring to Israel's upcoming election coalition government, Quote, this diversity is a reflection of Israel's vibrancy and democracy. Time will tell if the coalition holds, but one thing is clear. It's almost a mirror image of the reality of life in Israel. Yet anti-Israel activists are attempting to paint a completely different picture of the reality on the ground. Hold on, you may ask. How on earth could anti-Israel activists possibly paint the inclusion of an Arab party and a conservative Islamist Arab party to be specific? as an indictment of Israel. After all, Mansour Abbas, the leader of the United Arab List, is not exactly a Zionist. His goals in joining Israel's new governing coalition are quite clear. 
He wants to improve the living standards of Israel's Arab population, who now number more than 2 million. Quote, we have reached a critical mass of agreements in various fields that serves the interests of Arab society and that provides solutions for the burning issues in Arab society, planning, the housing crisis, and of course, fighting violence and organized crime, Abbas said earlier this month. But that's not good enough for everyone. In an editorial on the Palestine Chronicle website, editor, editor Ramzi Baroud lament the inclusion of Abbas in Israel's government. He wrote, quote, In truth, Mansour Abbas, a Palestinian Arab politician who is willing to find common ground with extremists and proud, quote, Arab killers, only represents himself. The future shall attest to this claim. Well, let's unpack that for a moment. In Israel, there was an incredibly diverse coalition government, including, for the first time in history, an Arab party whose goal it is to better the lives of Arab Israelis. But it appears that for some anti-Israel voices, the actual living standards of Arab Israelis come second, if they matter at all for that matter, and that comes second to refusing to normalize relations with Israel at any costs. Tragically, this kind of reaction to Mansour Abbas's decision to join the coalition government is a microcosm of the Israel-Palestinian conflict. The surest way to advocate for the lives and the livelihoods of Israeli Arabs and Palestinians alike is to look forward to coexistence with Israel and how to foster a closer relationship between Israel and both its Arab citizens and the Palestinians as well. But as long as antagonistic voices reject any normalization with Israel and seem willing to, time after time, put their backward ideological interests ahead of the best interests of the Palestinian people, peace will continue to be a distant hope. And tragically, the biggest victims will be not Israel, with its burgeoning economy and technological innovations, but the Palestinians, who remain at the mercy of their self-interested and corrupt leadership. The inclusion of an Arab party in Israel's governing coalition reflects well in Israel, and the sooner that the world and our news media recognizes this indisputable fact, the better off Israeli Arabs and Palestinians alike will be. And that's today's edition of the Honest Report podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our alerts, subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and if you like what you heard, please make a donation to support our continued efforts. You can do so at www.honestreporting.ca slash donate. Until next time, thanks for listening.